Hi, it has been so exciting seeing the registrations coming in for our Revive Lifestyle Medicine Safari Retreat in Africa happening this January 2025. If this has been on your bucket list or if you have already gone and you cannot wait to go back, now is the time to save your spot. We'll be having incredible wildlife viewing excursions, including primate trekking, seeing elephants, rhinos, giraffes, lions, and more. Cultural experiences with local guides, healthful food in beautiful accommodations, participating in a service project, and sharing expertly guided lifestyle medicine activities, including nutrition, physical activity, stress relief, sleep, connection, nature, and more. How can you find out more about it? Well, go to the website, stressfreemd.net slash safari-retreat. That's stressfreemd.net slash safari-retreat, where you can learn more about our incredible itinerary and save your spot. CME is included for healthcare professionals. Any questions, reach out, and I cannot wait to share this incredibly transformative experience with you. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Stress-Free MD Podcast, where you learn how to be stress-free from the inside out, elevate your calm, and live your best, healthiest life. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Tiger, your self-care doctor. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress-Free MD Podcast. I am really excited that we have a very special guest with us today. We have Dr. Maggie King, and Dr. King is a board-certified radiologist. Yeah, you know, I'm a radiologist too, so I'm <laughs> extra excited she's here today. So rad, right? And yeah. she's trained at Yale, mom of two kids, one with a rare disease. She was actually the radiologist who was the first to see her nine-year-old daughter's horrifying brain MRI when her daughter was diagnosed with the rare neurologic disease called neuromyelitis optica. The ordeal motivated Dr. Kang to shift her focus from radiology to mental well-being. Now a certified life coach, Dr. Kang supports moms of kids with chronic needs in her private coaching practice, Maggie Kang, MD, LLC. Also a TEDx speaker, Dr. Kang recently shared her story and powerful message that you can choose to accept pain or create suffering. I'd like to warmly, warmly welcome Dr. Kang to the show with a very heartfelt hug from one doctor mom to another that um, I'm really, really glad you're here today to share your story that is so powerful and it's going to have so many important lessons for us all to learn. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so happy I'm talking to actually another doctor mom. I feel like a lot of our experiences are so similar. And I think based on the TEDx talk, which you might have seen, it, it really does kind of take you to a point in my life where I experienced a very traumatic experience. And my nine-year-old daughter was diagnosed with this disease where she was previously so healthy and energetic. And so that really came out of nowhere and just stopped my world. 
And I think really a message that I would love to share with your audience and just, you know, Dr. Mom to know the Dr. Mom is, is that I think we don't take a lot of time in our lives to pause and to consider how we're thinking about things. And of course, then how that in turn makes us feel. And I think this was maybe <laughs> a, a very sort of big lesson in a very traumatic sort of context. But I do think that the message and the lesson I learn, I see in my day-to-day life and probably a lot of doctor moms and just generally people who are busy experience. And it's really just this, that taking the time to think and to really consider how we are thinking about ourselves and our situation can change everything. And so getting back to my story, I think that for the longest time in my life, you know, there were probably a lot of times I could have paused, but I didn't. I mean, life was just sort of on fast autopilot and it's going through college and med school and training. And then I was all of a sudden married and a mom and having kids. And it was really like this sort of, you know, being on this tra- uh, train track to nowhere that's just in constant acceleration. And finally, when that moment happened and I saw those MRI images, I was absolutely just, I don't even know how to describe it. It still pains me really to think about it, but I was not expecting it. She had just nonspecific symptoms of nausea and vomiting. And then when I saw those images, I thought, wow, I can't believe this. Our life is over. And somehow at that moment, I had the opportunity to either sort of, I guess, stop and feel into the pain and I guess just pause, but I didn't. I went straight into blaming myself and just like, how am I going to do, what am I going to do to fix this? And that somehow I had done something wrong. And that really just led me down this rabbit hole of suffering. So I think the concept that I was sort of highlighting in my talk was really this difference between pain and suffering. And I think in the coaching world, we often describe that as maybe clean pain and dirty pain. It's really along that same concept that when things come up in life, you have the choice to kind of experience it and accept it as sort of the human experience of that, you know, sort of good and bad things happening. And like our response to it is really where we have our sort of control. And I guess in that moment, I chose to suffer. (laughs) And that is because I didn't accept that pain of what was happening. I just could not sit in that despair because I felt like it was just going to put me out into that black hole of misery. And I I just thought I couldn't get out of it. I think that's my belief. That was my belief. But I think what I learned from that was that once I just stopped and allowed myself to move through that pain, I came out on the other side and I could just see a whole new world of possibility. And that's really that message. Clean pain, dirty pain, pain versus suffering. Yeah. I mean, first I want to acknowledge what that must have been like for you. We all know what it's like as a radiologist, seeing the images go through on our screen, on the monitor, at the console. And it's very different when all of a sudden it's someone of your own. Your doctor hat turned into your mom hat. And I actually lost my breath listening to you talk about this because I was imagining watching the images come up. I have had children, I've had multiple imaging studies, and I know what that feels like even in the anticipation as those images are coming up. I find myself not breathing well. And then to actually see what you saw, I lost my breath imagining what that was like for you. Yeah. And so 
what exactly allowed you to pivot, you know, from pain to suffering? You know, we know from the medical literature that actually emotions, feelings, feelings are the somatic expression of an emotion. They actually don't last more than 90 seconds. It's our thoughts about the emotions and the feelings that create that suffering, right? So the pain and the suffering is very different in that the suffering comes from our thoughts about the pain and about the situation, right? And so we take that 90 seconds and we expand it because I like to give the example, if you see a little kid fall on the playground and then they just start crying hysterically, you run over there and by the time you got there, they're up running around again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so many times it was just that they were scared and they'd had that quick emotion and then it went away, but they're too young to have the thoughts associated with whatever just happened. And that's where the suffering, that's where the suffering lives. 100%. Absolutely. And I think that that was the thought that created my suffering was that I chose to blame myself and even though it doesn't make sense, even when I'm saying it, it really sounds ridiculous. Like how could I have given my kid a rare disease? But really that was sort of like my default sort of thinking process, I guess. And I didn't stop to question any other way. And I guess that's the whole thing about taking the pause and to consider what you're actually thinking about the situation. And so as to your question about how did I sort of shift from, I guess, you know, choosing the thought that created suffering and moving back into my pain. I did that when I hired a life coach, which I stumbled upon so randomly. I was just listening to random podcasts and just kind of lost in my despair. And I didn't know that that I could talk to somebody about thoughts. And I thought, wow, that was a very revolutionary concept that I could choose my thoughts that it just didn't happen or that my thought was truth right? Like, how could that be that it was my fault? But I think, you know, I was so accustomed to thinking as a mom, as a physician, like I'm responsible for so much. So if something goes wrong, surely that's my fault. But really, no, that's not the case. And it's like, it's a, it's a huge burden to take upon yourself to think of it that way. And further, the thought that I sort of moved into was to think that I'm actually fine. And this was an opportunity for growth. And it was only after I moved through my pain and just really fully accepted that this is what's happening and that I'm so, so devastated to see that my daughter is so sick in the ICU and all of that as a mom. But I, but like you said, it didn't last. It strangely, it wasn't nearly as long as I thought. And I came out the other side feeling like there is possibility there is hope. And I could see sort of like the little miracles in our lives that I hadn't been able to see before. And that Nell actually started to get better. And it's been five years now. She's been, you know, back in school full time. We've all learned as a family and gotten so much closer through this experience. So I feel like there is sort of, I guess, like a silver lining, if you will, or just like these small sort of, I think I call them micro moments in my TED talk where you, you know, are able to kind of grasp those moments and they sort of like collectively become your life raft and help you to sort of move forward. Yeah. These micro moments, it's really, you're describing presence. Yes. And just, you know, this pause is really the presence, presence being actually paying attention to what's in front of you. Yes. Um, Because when we don't, we're either 
thinking about what already happened and the past is the past. We can't change it. Or we're so far in the future that we have no idea what's going on in front of us. So what this did for you is it actually helped bring presence, which is a present (laughs) back to your life. And so share with us what some of these micro moments, these miracles, these, you know, what did your eyes open to recognizing and seeing? Yeah. So when we were, I was sort of in like my darkness, if you will, after she was diagnosed, you know, she came out of the ICU eventually. I mean, she she had struggled to breathe and her, you know, we weren't quite sure that she was even going to make it. She was really that sick. So when she was discharged, she was in a wheelchair and everything in our lives, it seemed like got harder, like bathing her and feeding her and doing all the therapies. It just felt like such a weight, if you will. And so when I finally sort of talked through a lot of this with my coach and I came to an understanding that I could like choose how I think about things, the miracles that I started to see were that she was actually, you know, spending time with her brother and they were laughing and that we had a lot of downtime together all of a sudden and we could talk finally. We, and I, and she was at one point in a wheelchair and I could push her in a wheelchair and then when she started to actually walk and regain her strength, it was just like all those little increments of improvement became small miracles. Whereas previously that was just sort of a given and we were sort of more wrapped up in our frenetic schedule in life and like, why aren't you doing this? Do that, do your laundry, where, you know, like, what are you doing at school? <laughs> that type of thing. But all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it was, we were present in the moment and every moment became this sort of, possibility and moment for seeing joy. And so it completely changed my day-to-day experience. Yeah. It's so beautiful to really be able to start to appreciate all that you shared, you know, and, and really celebrating each step, celebrating each moment, celebrating each step that she's making towards now that she's back in school, right? Yeah. And seeing it and feeling it. We don't take time to celebrate the steps. We spend so much time trying to get to the thing, to do the thing yes. that we miss all the steps and each one of them can be celebrated and can feel amazing and should yes. be celebrated. Yeah. Yes. And in addition to that, it's it's like we do kind of look at the end goal, but we also, I think, worry you know, along the way. So it's like, you're adding on a layer of sort of like um, negativity, if you will, to, and to that, like just dampens like the experience of those micro moments. And I think that, you know, going through an experience like this helped me to understand that fully. But I think in day-to-day life though, you know, cause most people are not going to experience rare disease because it's rare, but, you know, day to day, I find that this question comes up for me all the time. Like if I pick up my daughter at the bus stop and she's had a terrible day for whatever reason, I can feel myself like, oh my God, it's because, you know, oh, I should have just picked you up early because you were sick this morning. And why did I send you to school and that type of thing? And I'm like, no, you know, sometimes bad days happen and it's okay. She's, she's actually fine. She's home. She's going to rest and we could talk about it. And it's so wonderful that I'm here to pick her up at the bus stop. So it's just like sort of like a myriad of ways you can look at a situation that alters your personal experience. And in turn, and this, I think I also mentioned in the talk is that it, it impacts the person you're having the relationship with. I think once my daughter could see that this is not a big deal, she was like, oh, it's not a big deal. 
right. Bad days happen and that happens. It's like that kid and the toddler, like the, um, the example you suggested that when a toddler falls, you know, he or she may cry and then sort of get up again. But could you imagine if a caregiver jumped in and said, oh my God, you fell. This is so bad. You could have died or we got to take you to the ER. That's something like that. The toddler could respond like, oh my God, this is a problem. You're right. And so I think a lot of like the, the, the choices we make and how we think about a situation not only affect us, but it affects the people around us. And it's really powerful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So the ripple effect of you pivoting from pain and suffering away from that suffering and working with your thoughts and getting rid of the blame game and wiping all that shit off, (laughs) like I say, that the ripple effect is that you've developed this really beautiful relationship with your daughter. Yes. That you didn't have before. And you're setting the example for her. Yes. A beautiful example as well. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, as time goes on, we do kind of teach each other because she's become this very phenomenal human being in all of her growth. And we are both getting involved in rare disease advocacy. She's actually written a book. It's called My Hospital Story. I mentioned it in the TED Talk, right? It's so cool. She was nine and she kept this journal about what happened. And then she published at age 12. And just little things like that really help other people. And the, the TEDx talk that I shared, I think really helped people too. And I, I feel like there was a reason, maybe sort of like a greater purpose in us having experienced this very traumatic thing, right? And I guess in choosing our thoughts, we've created a different experience for ourselves. And that's something I want to share with people. No, oh, it's amazing. And she wrote a book. What is her name? Her name is Nell, Nell Choi. Nell, if you're listening, I just... <laughs> I'm sending you a huge hug and I'm jumping up and down (laughs) celebrating you. This is amazing. It is amazing what you have done and you're going to help so many people sharing your story. So I'm just, just giving you a shout out here. Thank you. Thank you for you. (laughs) And, And she was able to do that because of the cultivation and the nourishment that you provided Dr. King. It's just so, it's so beautiful. So thank you. Yeah. So tell us, Going forward, you know, how all the things you're involved in now, you mentioned, you know, some of the things you're doing with respect to advocating and educating. Share with us what that looks like. You know, very recently we were at Rare Disease Week in Washington, D.C., just a couple of weeks ago. We actually live in Northern Virginia, so it's so nice. It's right here in our backyard. And We attended this conference where they taught us about how to be a rare disease advocate. It was incredible. And they chose sort of like the three main bills that is on the Senate floor right now and to see what we can do to talk and connect with our congressmen and senators in our specific states to present our legislative asks. And we did that. It was, and I actually didn't even know that this was part of the experience, but we went with our Virginia constituents and we all talked about which bill we wanted to advocate for. And we kind of like worked on our little speeches at our hotels. And then we met and we were going to like the House and the Senate offices. And it was absolutely incredible. It was, we were part of the legislative process and we were right there on the front lines and trying to 
impact fair disease legislation. And so now we're part of this organization and we attend quarterly meetings and we're going to go to this every year and hoping to see improvement and support for all people with rare diseases. That's amazing. So I love to say like, you make your mess, your message. And I love seeing that you're doing that. It's such a great thing that, you know, you've learned so much, but now you're sharing what you've learned and you're helping others. And again, that ripple effect, that paying it forward, it's really, really beautiful and very courageous and very courageous of you. I know it takes a lot to be able to stand up and do that. So, yes. Thank you. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about your coaching. You know, are you focusing on helping individuals in this area? What does your coaching look like? Yeah, so... The way I started it is that I was coaching physician moms, actually, of kids with chronic challenges of any sort. And typically that's usually in the range of anxiety, but it can be chronic diseases. And in some cases, rare diseases, and people have reached out with all sorts of sort of concerns. And so that's the group I'm mainly working with. And it's been really amazing and so rewarding. And I'm also working with people in our foundation. I think, um, so my daughter and I are both ambassadors of the Smyer Foundation. And so we do just kind of like meet regularly with people who are either caregivers or patients with the rare disease. And we just kind of talk about things. And I just kind of share sort of informally these coaching ideas, because I think, like I said before, it really impacts your moment to moment and day-to-day experiences, how you think about yourself as a patient versus maybe a victim, or if you're like not feeling so empowered, how can you get to that feeling of empowerment? A lot of those sort of themes come up. And I think the rare disease advocacy is is really plays a big component in all of that. Because I think as you participate, you understand and you know how you can impact change in just sort of our country and the laws, but then in turn, how you can feel empowered individually. Yeah, so good. And just tell us the name of the foundation that you said you are ambassadors for. It's the Sumaira Foundation, S-U-M-A-I-R-A. And that is specifically for... Oh, the neuromyelitis optica okay. disease okay. mainly. And there's something related called MOG also, but um, we're in this like very small group of rare diseases. It's like in this demyelinating category. And although most people have not heard of NMOSD or MOG, people have heard of MS, multiple sclerosis. And sometimes it's sort of like easier to pe- for people to understand it in terms of MS. It's not at all the same disease, but sort of the demyelinating neurological type category of disease, if you will. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. What else can you share that we haven't talked about? Is there anything else, any pearls of wisdom that we haven't talked about that you would love our listeners to know? Well, I mean, I, I think just going back and underscoring my message in the TEDx talking today, really that when you experience something unpleasant and you, I guess like the first instinct most of us have is to kind of ignore it or try to distract from it, like either with food or Netflix or whatever. I mean, I would encourage you to consider just stopping in that moment and just to say, okay, this has happened and I am not feeling good. You can either write it down on a piece of paper and see all the thoughts you might have about it and 
question them, whether or not they're actually true, and maybe consider talking to a coach and seeing how maybe you can unearth some of your beliefs and this could be an opening for growth and a better experience in life. Opening for growth and a better experience in life. Yeah. So, so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and for your courage in sharing your story. I just, I'm very touched and I know that you're going to help a lot of people out there who are suffering from anything happening in their lives and invite them to this presence, to these micro moments, to these mini miracles that are happening every single day. I'd love to ask you where people can find you. So there might be people listening saying, I need, I need to find out where she is. So what's the best way? Please. I would love it. Um, So my website is www.maggiekangmd.com. That's Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, Kang is K-A-N-G-M-D.com. And please visit the website and book a consultation because I would love to hear from your listeners and seeing what they're sort of taking away from these messages. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone is suffering yourself with chronic disease or a child with chronic disease, Dr. King is, is ready to support you. And I have your handles for all of your social media. So we'll put all of that, the oh, website, the you. social media and the show notes, as well as the link to your daughter's book. Thank so anybody you. who wants to read the book from this amazing nine-year-old, right? <laughs> yeah. um, we definitely need to put that in there as well. And your TEDx talk. Oh, thanks. Um, so you. yes. And I want to thank you again so much for being here. I want to thank all of you out there listening taking time to care for amazing you. Remember to be kind to one another and to be kind to yourself. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of the Stress-Free MD Podcast. Hi, I'm so happy that you're here listening to the Stress-Free MD Podcast, learning short, actionable tools to relieve the stress in your life. And I've got some amazing news for you. I've created some short videos for you where you can learn stress-relieving tools by video format as well. Me teaching you on videos. They're totally free. They're very short. They're about five minutes in length each because I know how busy you are. And all you have to do is go to my website, www.stressfreemd.net. And on the homepage, it says feel calm now. And then you can click the link to get your free videos and I'll send them directly to your inbox and your email. And you can share this website with your friends, your family, your colleagues, so they can feel calm too. (laughs) So go get your videos. What are you waiting for?